0: You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, and we have a big game still coming up later this week. Got the Michigan Wolverines taking on the Wisconsin Badgers. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire. And I know that people aren't confident about this game, given what's happened the past two weeks, but anything can happen, especially given that Wisconsin has not... They just started practicing after having two weeks off due to COVID. Graham Mertz will be back to practice on Wednesday. He gets two days of practice, and presumably then goes and plays against a Michigan defense that hasn't looked good, but at the same time, uh, it still should be a step up from whatever Illinois was. To break it down for us uh, today, we're going to bring on Asher Lowe, who writes uh, a colleague of mine on two fronts. He writes for Badgers Wire at USA Today, and he hosts the uh, Locked On Badgers podcast. So we're going to hear from him. But before we get to that, we are going to get to some things that I thought were, I don't know if I want to say troubling, good or bad, I don't really know what to make of it coming out of uh, Tuesday's press conference that we had. So we're going to get to all of it, though. Uh, I'm, I'm just, okay, here's the thing, is... We talked to Brad Hawkins and Giles Jackson, and they both had kind of different things to say, right? Like, you y had Brad Hawkins showing very little concern in the sense of, like, when I asked him if it was a sense of urgency, he at least said, yeah, there's a sense of urgency. But at first, it's like, well, you know, we're Michigan, we, we're, we can, you know, we always focus on winning, and, you know, we're not that concerned in that light. But, I mean then you get to Giles Jackson and it's, yeah, we're really concerned. Mike Zorter said on inside Michigan football, that what is showing up in practice isn't showing up in games, which is what Jim Harbaugh has been saying. Uh, Brad Hawkins kind of was, you know, didn't have as much to say about that. Giles Jackson, however, said that they are not practicing well on Thursdays. So that's a problem, right? Like, that, that, that is a problem if they're not practicing well on Thursdays. He said that that's their walkthrough day, and they just aren't showing the intensity that they should be. I, I On top of all of the coaching things that I have kind of spelled out over the last week and a half, I mean, that's another alarming thing is that you're not seeing the intensity in practices on the final day of practice. Giles says, hey, that's the day that we're in pads. And not sorry, not in pads. And it's just not the same. We're not we're not bringing it to practice. And that's a big reason why it's not showing up in games, because you look at this matchup against Wisconsin. I mean, they're going to get hit. I don't care how how long Wisconsin's been out. They're going to get hit, especially up front. Now, we don't know what Jalen Mayfield and Ryan Hayes, what their status is going to be. They didn't travel last week, which is a problem. Uh, But the offensive line looked great in week one and looked bad the last couple weeks. Uh, As you'll hear from Asher, because we already recorded this, uh, you know, he said that getting getting pressure on the quarterback is not really what Wisconsin tries to do. It's more about stopping the run. I mean, that could be a big opportunity for Michigan, but I, I think Michigan needs to be a lot more balanced than it's been. And Asher also was really leery about what would happen if Joe Milton runs the ball because Brandon Peters certainly ran the ball against Wisconsin. Michigan didn't try to run the ball with Joe Milton last week didn't even try. So I'm not confident that this Michigan team is going to run out there and try to take advantage of whatever weaknesses are. Obviously, I think the big concern is what what happens when it's Graham Mertz, who missed one pass in his only game at the college level against Illinois. What if he has that kind of day against Michigan's secondary? I mean, that's terrifying. And it's even more terrifying when you have kind of a mixture of nothing's really wrong. We just need to focus a little bit more. And... Also, just having, you know, not knowing if the offense is going to consi- be, not only be consistent, but consistently put these guys in a position to succeed, as Josh Gaddis always says. Because here's the thing. If you let Wisconsin do its thing, whatever its thing is, it's on offense, it's kind of fine if you can outscore them. Week one, it looked like Michigan could outscore anybody. Weeks two and three, not so much. Too many three and outs, too much inconsistency, too much long second and third downs. So to the the point of the second and third downs, to me that spells they need to win first down a lot better. They are not winning on first down ever. They need to figure out a way to do that. And they need to figure out a way to figure out what Wisconsin's uh, weaknesses are and actually take advantage of them because that's, That's a giant concern for me. I don't know. That's about all I have to say about it. Really, honestly. But hey, if it doesn't go well, Saturday night, you can always drink, especially if you always feel like you're always on. What do you do when you feel like you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit that reset button and get ready for what's next? These days, everything's go, 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 but it's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues, the expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Literally the only one beer out there that's literally made to chill. It's Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment. Like I said, made to chill. Coors Light's cold lagered, cold filtered, cold packaged. Crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light's the one that I used to choose back when I drank, when I needed to unwind. So when you need to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's literally made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look. delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Up next, Asher Lowe will spend the rest of the show discussing what the Wisconsin Badgers bring to the table.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast
0: Network. Your team every day. Now, I don't eliminate the noise in the background anymore because it makes my, my voice sound all warbly. So apologies for, I'm sure, the very loud fan you can hear in the background because it is hot in Michigan. Yesterday being my birthday, it was 77 degrees. It's, a, it's again at 75 right now. Only once in my life, my 39 years, do I remember it being that hot. When That was 1999 when, when I was in college. It was 77, but it was windy like it is today. And uh, it, it yesterday was just perfect. It was beautiful. Anyway, all right, let's get to my interview with uh, Asher Lowe from Badger's Wire right now. All right, we are back finally with an actual opponent preview. We did not do it last week, and we messed around with Michigan State week because – the overconfidence was real, and we brought on Scott Bell that time. This time, we're actually bringing in Locked On Badgers host, Asher Lowe. He's also part of the USA Today uh, Sports Media Group network, writing for Badgers Wire. Uh, Asher, thank you for joining so we could get a little bit more insight on what Wisconsin brings to the table. Yeah, I'm just trying to be like
1: you with your uh, with your two jobs. I followed the Isaiah whole model. I saw what you were doing. <laughs> Tried to follow
0: in your footsteps, and here I am. <laughs> and, I mean, I think that – Right now, though, people are more excited over on your end. Right now, the sky is falling in Ann Arbor, uh, despite it being a beautiful 70-something degree day out here in the middle of November, which is shocking. But we've got the Badgers coming to Ann Arbor, 7.30 p.m. ABC on Saturday. Usually, when Wisconsin comes to town uh, in the last six years, it's been very good for Michigan. However, Uh, these are two teams seemingly headed in different directions, but at the same time, we're not really sure what Wisconsin is going to bring to the table due to the two weeks being idle due to COVID outbreaks. Asher, what, what do you think when you, how ready can this Wisconsin team be and what's your level of confidence versus your level of concern for having been idle for two straight weeks?
1: So you're absolutely right. First of all, that trips to Ann Arbor don't usually go well. I took my one trip to Ann Arbor Two years ago, as a college student, while well, I was at Wisconsin, and that trip did not go well. Uh, but that's in the past. Right now, yeah, we're dealing with a, we were dealing with a little bit of skies falling in Madison, right? For the last two weeks, couldn't play games, canceled against Nebraska and Purdue. Grahammerz tested positive for COVID a day after the Illinois game. He'll be eligible to return to game action this Friday, which means he can play on Saturday, but he'll only have three days of practice max. That's if he finishes all his activity progressions, as the Big Ten says. They kind of like let you do one more thing every day. So it starts with biking and then running and then on-field practice finally. So he's got to work his way back into shape. We don't know the names of all the other guys that are out. We do know that there have been at least 15 student athletes test positive at some point. We're not sure exactly when all those tests happen. And the days really matter here, right? Because you can't play for 21 days. No matter if you're fine or not, that's the Big Ten Mm -hmm. protocol. So we only really know Graham Mertz's test date and that it was Saturday. I know also I can tell you multiple other guys tested positive on that Saturday. I just don't know, first of all, exactly how many and the other names of those guys. And Wisconsin will never release that or confirm that. So it's kind of hard to know with the depth chart. I'm definitely concerned because I'm waiting for a real depth chart to be out. We don't have one yet. We got one today that was literally a copy of week one. They did that again uh, week two also. So, they're, I mean, they're not showing us the depth chart. And I think mm-hmm. part of that is competitive and I understand that. But as media, we're also wondering, well, who in the world is going to play? So there's definitely a level of concern when you have 15 players testing positive And who knows how many of those could be out by default because of the 21-day policy. Will Graham Mertz be back and healthy and ready to roll? I think he will be. All signs from yesterday's Paul Chris press conference are that he is rolling and he's progressing perfectly well. My issue is the
0: unknown. The names we're not going to know. And that's something we won't find out for a few days. Now that's, that's the big problem area for Michigan regardless. And I had moved uh, this from a likely win preseason uh, this game from a likely win preseason when it was going to be Jack Cohn leading the charge, given the uncertainty of who's going to be the heir apparent to uh, Jonathan Taylor to a toss up. And now I'm in the likely loss category uh, just due to Graham Mertz and what we saw out, out of him in week one. But the big key is not, as much in my eyes, what Graham Mertz is able to do as much as what those receivers are able to do. Tell me a little bit more about the receiving core. Uh, Who do Michigan fans need to look out for? Who, who can potentially, especially with Cephas gone uh, who, who are those guys that really could punish the Michigan secondary? Yeah. So it's an interesting mix.
1: I think that we saw in week one and the guy that I was expecting to be Graham Mertz's favorite target was his favorite target. And that's Jake Ferguson the tight end who has to take a step forward this year with Cephas gone, and a guy that had three touchdowns in week one, a career high in catches and in touchdown receptions in week one, a huge game for him. And everybody's favorite play-by-play nugget, he is Barry Alvarez's grandson. So that that is that's everyone's favorite line about Jake Ferguson. As far as the wide receivers go, Danny Davis had an explosive play in week one at the end of the half. If you saw that Mertz bomb right before half, a play you don't see often from Wisconsin, a 40-plus-yard passing touchdown. You don't see those. Uh, I haven't Mm -hmm. seen many of those throughout my three years as a student in Madison. We saw one in week one, and it was as a result of Danny Davis and his separation. He's shifty. He's experienced, and he's alongside Kendrick Pryor, who's another senior receiver. So you got two seniors, both proven, but both kind of took a step back last year with Quintez Cephas back in the mix and uh, returning late. Not a step back necessarily that they played badly, but there was more around them. A.J. Taylor as well, a senior last year who now has graduated and moved on. So you lose two guys there. That means Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor step into the fold. There's some young guys, but I don't know if we'll see them on the field against Michigan. So I would, I would mention those three names, Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, Jake Ferguson with a special uh, emphasis on Ferguson. who's really taking a step forward. We already saw it in week
0: one. I think we'll see it again on Saturday. Now uh, I mentioned the departure of Jonathan Taylor, and that, that's one of the, the places where I am curious to see. Uh, I got to see about half of – the, uh, the Illinois game in week one before I decided to go and get shot at in Minneapolis. But. Uh, I heard about that. Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> I'm glad I'm recording this and you're fine. Oh my yeah,
0: God. Same here. But uh, that, uh nonetheless, I only watched the first half then went and, and messed around in mini. So uh, who, who are those guys on uh, that, that are potentially replacing? Cause it didn't seem like the running game was there the way it had been uh, from what we could see in week one for Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, if you want to nitpick a big loss against Illinois in week one, it's a pretty easy place to start. The running back room, it wasn't there. And going into the year, it would running back by committee. That was what Paul Christ had said all offseason. That was what offensive coordinator Joe Rudolph had been talking about. It was going to be by committee. There's no Jonathan Taylor back here. But then again, a couple of years ago, they said that too. And this guy by the name of Jonathan Taylor was a freshman, and it wasn't by committee after week one. It was pretty obvious. He started mm-hmm. his third on the depth chart actually before that week one game against, I believe it was Utah state in 2017 and he took the job. And that was that that didn't happen in week one. Uh, there's still questions. Nakia Watson was Taylor's primary backup last year. So he's the guy with the most experience in terms of just being that do it all running back. Garrett Groschik has the most experience in the room in general, but he's more of a passing down guy, a guy that's a threat uh, on the outside and a guy that can block with the best of them in this conference. But a guy that they also gave some carries to in week one and looked good with those carries. Isaac Garundo is kind of the change of pace back for Nikia Watson, the lightning to his thunder, if you will. He has the most speed in the room. Those three guys are the ones I'm looking at. Jalen Burgers is a true freshman, also from New Jersey, as Jonathan Taylor was. We didn't hear Jalen Burgers' name called in week one. Didn't see him on the field. We'll see if he gets on the field in week four. I doubt it, to be honest, unless there's COVID situations that we don't know about. Obviously, I told you, earlier there's names of guys that we don't know. It could be a running back, could be two running backs. We have no idea. But Nikia Watson and Garrett Roschik will take the lead. I thought Isaac Rundo would be that guy that would pop early and kind of have a big run or two. Didn't happen in week one. I'm not saying it won't happen
0: in week four though. You'll hear more from Asher on the state of the Wisconsin defense and how Michigan either wins or loses or I should say Wisconsin wins or loses the game on Saturday here in just a moment. But you know what? If you need to break through your wall, guess what? Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. Easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. Golf bag to power through the back nine or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural. So it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and much better results with three delicious flavors. And I've tried all three. I love all three. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. So how does Bilt Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work and my workout. Beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. Built Go then kicks to keep me going strong with 10,000% of your daily percentage of B6 and B12 vitamins. Collagen promotes promotes <laughs> joint soft tissue and inherent and skin health. Stuff literally makes you look better. Visit builtgo.com. Use promo code locked. You'll get twenty percent off that next order. Use promo code locked for twenty percent off at builtgo.com. Let's go. All right, let's continue hearing from Asher Lowe from our conversation earlier. State of the defense, what Wisconsin uh, brings to the table, as well as Wisconsin wins if, Wisconsin loses if. Now, the other side of the ball is the, the more problematic for Michigan. Uh, it's the uh, – well, ac- actually, I, I digress. <laughs> it's actually the other side of the ball is, uh, is great for Wisconsin. Michigan's offense has been in and out of rhythm, uh, and it's, it's, it's really been an abysmal offensive line showing the last two weeks. Uh, for Michigan. But uh, what, what do you see out of the Wisconsin defensive line? Obviously, the, the Badgers are number one in the country in total defense, just as it was when the two teams faced off last year. But obviously, it's a little different with only having one game under the belt. Yes, yeah, so you're never going to be blown away by, like, sack totals
1: with the front three just because that's not what they're really asked to do. They're more of stuffers. They're going to stop the run. And they did a good job doing it in week one. Uh, Illinois' two-headed punch had really nothing going on the ground and Brandon Peters in the quarterback run had some stuff going where he made plays and they called a couple of draws for him, which I was surprised. They actually called the draw for Brandon Peters, but they did a couple of times and it worked, but this front three can, can, can stuff the run. Isaiah Loudermilk is an experienced senior guy. That's been there. Keanu Benton got time as a true freshman last year, uh, which is not something you see often on Wisconsin's defensive front. And then you have Garrett Rand uh, right there as well. So, three guys that are all proven in their own right Keanu Benton, the youngest of the three, along with the two seniors and Rand and Loudermilk. They're solid. The linebacking, the linebacking crew, it's amazing that you can replace Zach Bond and Chris Torre like that, but it's really what happened with Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel. Uh, Noah Burks, a guy that has a ton of experience as an outside backer, and the young guys, too. Uh, we've seen an absolute show from Nick Herbig in camp. Everyone was talking about him, he's a true freshman out of Hawaii at outside backer. And we saw him on the field in week one as a starter alongside Isaiah Green May that had that or designation on the depth chart. And we'll, con- we'll continue to see him. The hype for him is nuts. Uh, I always talk about the Nick Herbig hype train. It's just rolling at ridiculously high speeds. A- everyone loves the guy. Uh, yeah. if, you- if you heard Wisconsin coaches talk all preseason, you know how this works, Isaiah. There's always those like couple <laughs> freshmen that everyone right. starts talking about and then the hype builds and whatever. And that was him. So and, and I, I got to talk about Rashad Wild Goose, uh, too, uh, at corner who had the best game of his career in week one, literally the best game of his career. And I think it just gets kind of blown away by what Graham Mertz did.
0: All right, let's 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 do big picture here. What, uh, what, when you look at this game coming up on Saturday, uh, t- first tell me if Wisconsin is to win, how does it manage to do it?
1: Yeah, so I think establishing the run a little bit more than they did against Illinois is a key. Not that they have to run the ball Jonathan Taylor-like or anything like that, but they got to run the ball better than they did against Illinois to beat this Michigan team. It's a different class of opponent. No matter how bad Michigan's struggling, that's still a completely different class. We can definitely agree on that. Mm. Uh, But Graham Mertz has to be healthy, right, and has to look not like the Graham Mertz in week one, but has to look uh, capable, right, has to take care of the football. Those would be the two big things on offense. Can Graham Mertz take care of the ball? And first of all, does he look you know, ready to roll if he is, in fact, the starting quarterback, which isn't confirmed by any means, but I'm assuming that he will be based on everything I know about the situation and have seen. And then establishing the run, those two things on offense, on defense. I think it's about stopping Michigan uh, from running the football. You said it on Lockdown Badgers that Michigan has to establish the run. That's where it's going to be on Isaiah Loudermilk, Keanu Benton, to really stuff the run and make sure they contain Joe Milton a little bit because there were times Wisconsin broke contain on Brandon Peters and it turned into a 25-yard gain. Joe Milton's a more dangerous runner than Brandon Peters is. And I'm definitely worried about that element. But if those four things happen, it's Wisconsin by
0: two scores at least. So with that in mind, and you already mentioned some of the, the things you're concerned about, what, uh, what are you not confident in going into this game? What do you see as big areas of concern going up against this Michigan team for Wisconsin?
1: Yeah, you know, whatever it is about Jim Leonard's 3-4 defense, and most of it's been amazing for the last couple years, but they just don't handle the QB run well, and they haven't really over the last couple of seasons. And Joe Milton is one of the more dangerous runners in the conference, even if you mentioned to me that they haven't been running him as much as you'd like to see or as much as people thought. if they do take advantage of that, that's something that I think could hurt this defense. On offense, there's just so many questions. Like, who's going to play quarterback? I mean, mm-hmm. is it going to be Graham Mertz? Is it going to be Danny Vandenboom? It's not going to be Chase Wolf, I don't think, because I'm pretty sure his test was after Mertz's and would keep him out because of 21 days. But Graham Mertz, Danny Vandenboom, that's a big difference. I'm not going to lie. It's a pretty big gap there. So who's going to play quarterback? And obviously the third thing I'm worried about is just the inconsistency and uncertainty of who in the world's actually going to play any position. Who are those 15 guys that were out? Uh, we don't know. We only know Mertz's name, so and Wolf's name. So there's a lot of guys we don't know about that could be out on
0: Saturday. All right. Well, we will find out what happens, uh, win or lose for either team on Saturday at 7:30 p.m. It'll be broadcast live on ABC. Asher, how can people find you?
1: At AOW underscore thirty three on Twitter and at Locked On Badgers on Twitter. And of course, I'm sure your listeners know the drill with Locked On. But Locked On Badgers, I run the Wisconsin version.
0: Uh, for the Locked On Podcast Network. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining. And we will, um, well, I guess we'll just see what happens on Saturday with a very interesting matchup. Absolutely. All right. And that'll do it. That'll do it for uh, for me, for Asher. Appreciate him coming on and spending some of his time. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday, probably mid to late afternoon again. And we'll start. To, we'll we'll continue to to take a look at what the the Badgers bring to the table, and I'm sure that we'll discuss a bit of what uh, the coaching staff has to say on Wednesday. So appreciate you listening. You know how to find me everywhere. Isaiah Hole at Isaiah Hole Locked Up Over Eats Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.